Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of TheRandyReport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. In this episode, I talk to famed singer-songwriter and producer and LGBT ally Richard Marks, who has just made a gorgeous debut as a headliner on the Las Vegas Strip with his limited engagement residency, satisfied only the hits at Flamingo Las Vegas now through September 2nd. Among his many achievements, the Grammy Award winner is distinguished for having written a number one song in four different decades across various charts. I chat with him about all that and more in this episode of The Randy Report. Having sold more than 30 million albums worldwide and notching an amazing 14 number one singles, both as a performer and songwriter producer, including hits like Hold On to the Nights, Satisfied, and Now and Forever, fans of Richard Marks get to experience the pop rock artist up close in an intimate Las Vegas showroom as he performs acoustic versions of his greatest hits backed by a gorgeous string quartet. The evening also includes the true personal stories behind his hits. To this day, Richard Marks is the only male artist in history to have his first seven singles reach the top five on the Billboard charts. His self-titled debut album went to number eight and spawned four top five singles, including the chart-topping Don't Mean Nothing, earning him a Grammy nomination for Best Male Rock Vocal Performance that year. The follow-up, 1989's Repeat Offender, was even more successful, hitting number one and going quadruple platinum with two number one singles, Satisfied and Right Here Waiting. Marx has also enjoyed huge success as a songwriter and producer with songs like To Where You Are, the first hit single from Josh Groban's debut album, the NSYNC smash This I Promise You, and his collaboration with Luther Vandross, Dance With My Father, earned him the 2004 Song of the Year Grammy Award. And, of special interest to me, Marx is a staunch ally of the LGBTQ community. I recently sat down with the dashing Mr. Marx, who, yes, still has that great head of hair. We talk about one of his favorite music collaborations, his terrific podcast, Song Talks with Richard Marx, plus how and why he speaks out for LGBTs. First, here's a little bit of the Grammy Award winner live in Las Vegas with his mega hit, Right Here Waiting for You. And then we'll talk with Richard Marks. Thank you. 
How are you doing? It's a long day of answering the same questions over and over again. Yeah, but I mean, you know. You do it. You've done it forever. And I've never complained about it. First of all, I get to spend the day talking about my favorite subject. <laughs> me. Me. <laughs> no, I've always looked at it like, um, when, when I hear people complain about stuff like this, when I hear uh, exhaustion or, yeah. like, really? What? No. There are people that are exhausted from their jobs, like, and they fucking hate their jobs. Pitching tar in the noonday sun, perhaps. Okay, how about being a foxhole in Afghanistan? Yeah, absolutely. Or like, yeah. you know what? I, I don't have a lot of patience for that. And I, even when I was young, I just didn't. I mean, I, I, I had tripped in my own way when I was in my twenties. I had, I had my moments of being a little mini diva, but it was never about that. Mm -hmm. I never didn't appreciate and recognize. That A, it could be over like that, right. or B, that I was getting to do something that I love to do. Right. Still, right. more so than ever. I appreciate it way more now than ever. I was, I don't know if Michael told you, I was an actor on Broadway, and yeah. I was thrilled that I got to be there. Of course. I never got tired. I remember when I was between jobs once, I was, I was out with friends, and it was like a Friday night, and, and some guys from one show were going to go out to Fire Island on Sunday. And this one guy was in, in, I think, Cats at the time, and he had a Sunday matinee, and he goes, well, I'm gonna go to Fire Island, I'll call in sick, and I just went, Pfft. Yeah, right. I'm unemployed. Right. I, I would die to have your job. Yeah, and get I, to, I don't, I don't it's get so, that. It is so funny, but I, I love to hear how, that you appreciate that you, uh, yeah. you have that understanding. I'm a lucky man. I'm gonna kick back now to, because uh, we are in Las Vegas. Yeah. Your residency, satisfied, all the hits. Not to ask the obvious, but what can your fans expect about the show, uh, other than obviously the hits? I mean, it pretty much is spelled out, but you know, it could also have easily been a bells and whistles, big huge smoke, you know, sort of throwback. It's definitely a throwback, but it's just me. It's just, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, there's a string quartet, a beautiful quartet, both musically and physically, four beautiful girls, great musicians. And it's, um, I don't think there's any show like it, in that it's a little bit of an anti-Vegas show. It's elegant, but it's not glitzy. Mm -hmm. And it's just me telling stories and singing songs and having a laugh with the audience. And I've been doing this kind of show for years now, and it's such a blast for me. I love playing with the band, I love doing the rock thing, but I really love these shows because I connect with the audience. Mm -hmm. I really. It, it's a I, the people that come up to me that have seen this show I have people that'll come up to me and the best compliment I get is they'll go I feel like I hung out with you for two hours mm. I told my wife when we were driving home I feel like I, like I just went and had a beer with him or something awesome. you know and that's a hard thing to do when right. you're a performer on stage and I didn't know how to do it until I started doing this solo acoustic show so trying it here is going to be a, an interesting experiment I can see that. However, I will say you have this gorgeous classic showroom yeah. to perform. Like, if you're going to do Las Vegas, do right. Las Vegas and you have this, this great right. showroom. It's, it is more intimate than some other spaces, which is great. Yep. The other thing I would say, my observation, is not a lot of people could do the show that you're describing that you're going to do because you, do, you are a musician. You can play for yourself. You are a real singer. You can sing without all the glitz and whistles. I've been playing with myself my whole life. <laughs> Ah, you're scoring points with me with that. Thank you very much. Um, you're going to have a lot of time in Las Vegas. Are you a Las Vegas person? Do you remember the first time you ever been in Las Vegas? Yeah, I, I remembered the story and I never told Michael the story. Because um, 
the first, I think it was the first interview today, when I was 12, maybe 11, but I'm gonna say 12, mm -hmm. my parents brought me to Las Vegas. And the first show I ever saw was Olivia Newton-John. Uh-uh. And I, awesome. I think it was at, I wanna say it was at Caesars or the MGM or, and my dad, and we didn't have tickets, but I was like, oh my God, Olivia Newton-John's here. So my dad's like, oh, we, don't have, we can't get tickets. And, so my dad, I'll never forget seeing this. It was the most badass thing. My dad like gave the guy fifty bucks. Oh my god, that is! And he took us right down to like right in the front. Now they got to be like, uh, I need like ten yeah, more of yeah, these. Yeah. <laughs> so and we saw the show. She was amazing. I was madly in love with her. And then of course I ended up becoming friends mm -hmm. with her and working with her. Yeah. And, but that was my first night in Las Vegas. Was with my parents seeing Olivia Newton John. Wow. And now, you know, she just spent three years in the same show. There's it's, no accidents. Do you have plans for the time that you're going to have off while you're in Las Vegas? Oh, yeah. The days or, I mean, really are you going to be hiking on... in the 115 degree weather? Yeah. And, are, you? Gonna hike, yeah. are you? Are yeah. you? Yeah. yeah. I, I, the last week, now that I know that the show is kind of like, I know what we're going to do, yeah. and show, I feel good about, you know, we have to run through some technical stuff, but I, I, I can see the show now in my head. I've been spending time going, okay, what am I going to do all day? Daisy will be here with, with me a lot of it, but we're going to hike. I don't care if it's hot as balls. We're going to play tennis. Great. I'm going to learn Spanish. I found, Excellent. That's I'm something I'm a Spanish teacher. Look, I'm married a Latina, mm -hmm. and she and her family, they talk shit about me right in front of me, and I don't know. <laughs> so I'm going to learn Spanish. And I'm also working on music, you know, so I've got a little uh, easy rig with me and my computer, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I'm going to work on, finish some song ideas that I've been working on for uh, some stuff later in the year. We'll keep busy, and I'm actually looking forward to, I mean, this is true of my life anyway on the road. From the time I met Daisy, she made touring so much more fun for me, because she wants to be with me on the road, and mm -hmm. she... If I'm gonna play whatever town, whether it's in the in this country or not, if it's whatever town it is, she's the one that will go to me and she'll go, okay, what time is the show over? 9.40, okay, so there's this restaurant, blah, 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 and there's a really cool, sexy bar, we could stop here, and I love touring more than ever because I, I love performing, mm. but I used, I spent most of my touring life coming off stage, getting you know all this love and adulation, and going back to a hotel room and going to sleep right. alone. And now I have somebody that's like really my partner in crime. Oh, that's and awesome. And so we're going to use that. As soon as she knew I was going to do this, she goes, oh, baby, we're going to have a blast in <laughs> Vegas. Yes. So we've already scoped out restaurants we're going to go to and nightlife, and it'll be fun. I wanted to ask about your music because, first of all, so many people know you as a performer. And less informed people may not know how much you actually write not only for yourself right. but for so 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 many they people don't, they don't pay attention and you do you have written for so many people I hear songwriters always say oh I don't have a favorite song because they're like children or you know I can't pick a favorite which is weird because I do have a favorite child do you oh then <laughs> <laughs> one of them clearly I favor over the other is there a is there a song or a collaboration even some something maybe you didn't record that you you collaborated on? I, I don't have a favorite. I don't have a favorite. Is there one that stands out? There's a bunch that stand out, but there are there are a couple that okay. I can look at, at "Dance with My Father" for example. Uh -huh. That's not my favorite song I wrote with Luther. Mm -hmm. I'm so proud of it, and I love that it was Song of the Year, and it turned out to be the last song he ever wrote. But we wrote a song called "Isn't There Someone." 
that was not a hit mm -hmm. that he recorded years before that that I think is actually maybe even a better song. Mm -hmm. All of my work with him was special and I, and I love that. I love the songs I wrote with Keith Urban. Long Hot Summer, which is the last song we wrote together, is one of my favorite songs I've ever been a part of. It's just fun. I do it in, mm -hmm. I do it in this show too. But if you're gonna, I'm actually, I'm not gonna dodge the question. This is not my favorite, because I don't, I just don't buy right. into that. Yeah, absolutely. But the song that I might be the most proud of that isn't something I sang, but that something I did with somebody else, is a song that 11 people know, and it's a song I wrote with Kenny Loggins, and it's called The One That Got Away. And we wrote the song, I think it was in late 2000s, maybe? He had, he had not recorded for a while. We'd known each other for 30 years. We hadn't written together in all those years. We, kind of, we didn't talk for a long time, kind of had a falling out for a while, like years. And then we reconnected and put all that behind us. And, then we, and he said, I'd love to write with you. So he came to my house and we, we kind of hung out and had dinner. And he was going through a really uh, rough time with his, middle, his second son mm -hmm. from his first marriage who, that was the casualty of that first marriage, in that his second son, at the time that we wrote the song, had not spoken to Kenny in about three years, including not inviting him to his high school graduation. And Kenny was telling me, because I asked him, because I knew his kids when, when they were little, and I said, how, the, how are your boys? And, he's, and he starts telling me about Cody, and he got really emotional about it, you know? And we talked about it, and. My kids were little at the time, and I couldn't even imagine having a rift with my sons, you know? So we go to sleep, I wake up the next morning, and there's this music, this melody in my head. I go to the piano, and he comes down, and we have some breakfast, and I say, hey, I, I came up with something this morning I just wanna show you. And I play him this melody, and he goes, oh my God, that's beautiful, I, I love it, we have, to, we have to write this. And all of a sudden, his face, he goes, I have to write it about Cody. And all of a sudden, I remember like getting chills. So we sat down, and I've never had an experience like this ever. For three or four hours straight, we sat there, and most of the time he was sobbing. It was like this therapy session. He was, I, I, it, it breaks my heart to think about it even right now. He was in so much pain, and he was gushing his emotion into this lyric. And I was right in there with him like, he said, I need you to hold my feet to the fire. We can't write a line that's a pop line. This all has to be authentic and I have to really get this out. So we wrote this song called The One That Got Away. The chorus is, though you and I are distant, don't ever think I didn't want you. It's Kenny apologizing to him and also saying to his son, some of this is not fair of you to do this to me. You know, it's like it was the most powerful fucking lyric wow. and so we finally finished it we would come up with a line and as we would write the line he would start crying again so finally we kind of and, and then we ended up laughing at how much we're both kind of really <laughs> emotional so then I, read, I, I played a piano track put some really nice little synth strings on it and he went I can't sing it there's no fucking way I can sing this song he goes into the booth to do we're just doing a demo uh -huh. you know he starts to sing the first line and start crying. Yeah. It took hours and hours and hours. And he ultimately recorded the song on an album. I played piano. I did it live with him a bunch of times. 
And that is the song, of all the songs I've collaborated on with people, that's the one I put in a time machine. Because when we finished the song, he went to Cody, he made Cody sit, they listened to the song, and they've been good ever since. They both cried, awesome. they hugged it out. That song that we wrote mended the relationship between a father and a son. Oh my God, wow. Doesn't get more powerful than no, that. No, not at all. That is the power of music. Yeah. I, I'm a huge fan of your podcast. Oh, thanks. I love, yeah, I listen to, to everything. And I, I just listened to the Kenny Loggins episode a couple yeah. weeks ago, which is great, the two of you together. Do you like doing the podcast thing? I do. Because you're really I... good about talking about music. Oh, thanks. Well, I, I wanted to do that because I don't think that that really exists out there either in that mm. world. It's about to change. It's about to change in a really good way. You'll see if you, keep, if you, mm -hmm. if you stick with it. I'm going to change the format a little bit because I, I don't want it to blend into the podcast ether. And I realized I'm not doing this the way I really wanted to do it. I'm conforming to Podcast One sure. and the networks and all that. So I'm about to shift into a whole other way of doing it. Oh. It's still going to be, the, the content is going to be essentially the yeah. same. But you'll see, it's going to be all of a sudden so much more fun to listen to. But yeah, it's, it's fun for me because it's something that I've never done before. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I've been interviewed a million times, but I've never really interviewed anybody. So I, I'm, and I'm not even looking at it like that. I'm just talking to people right. about music. And well, and you're so knowledgeable. Like you, you were talking with Kenny. I think it was about. Um... I know more shit about Kenny Loggins' career. Than Kenny Loggins. <laughs> you did. You did. Yeah. I, uh, he well, thought he was uh, Caddyshack was, was 82, and you said no, like, no hey, and you like grabbed your phone and you. Yeah. And then he, and he said, well, I think of uh, Footloose was 82. No, it was 84. No, 84. You you killed well, what I was in, listening. In fairness, he's very old. <laughs> I think, see, but that kind of a thing, you have this great way of talking with people, but in the middle of it, I remember one point you were talking about a song and you literally went, oh, and then you throw in this rhythm, da 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 da, da and like you literally pulled out the right rhythm from something that, that a fan who knows the song would just go, oh, I like the song. They would not know this. Right, I like that. You're so familiar. I like kind of pulling things apart like that, and, and or, or my, one of my favorite things is to, to people who are not musical to go, well, you know that song that you love is note for note this other song that you love. And people, oh my God, it's a total oh, yeah. ripoff. Oh, that's funny. Oh, yeah, yeah. I have to say, because I am an LGBT writer, you have been supportive of, of the, uh, the community. We are supportive of everyone. I, it's very apparent from watching you on of social course. media. In 2012, you wrote a post that killed me. I remember reading it at the time. You wrote, anybody gay, bi, or transgender out there, I hope you have someone who loves you exactly as you are. Uh, especially your parents. Good night. I don't know if you know that the power of people reading that. Yeah. And people who are gay, bi, transgender, and uh, that when we read that from someone like you who communicates so well, that that means so much. The other thing I did want to bring up though is in June, um, and I love this, you, you wrote a tweet saying, um, I wish I'd get invited to do a concert during Pride Week. I want to do a few songs and before greeting the crowd. I want to thank you all for, for coming, coming out. out. Yes. I want to thank you all for coming out. <laughs> it hit me. I was in the car driving, and, and Pride Week was happening. And I said to Daisy, I said, fuck, I wish they would ask me to perform at a Pride event. She said, haven't they? And I said, not really. I said, because I just want to be able to get up there and go, I want to thank you all for coming out. She goes, you have to tweet that shit right now. You do. It was a great line. It was a great line. We do need to get you to do Pride. We yeah, Maybe do it here in Las Vegas. We do it in October when it's that. not a hunt. Well, you know what? I, I The only thing I want to say is I'm lucky in that I was born to two parents who, when it came to gay rights, when it came to civil rights, when it came to race relations, 
from the time I was old enough to comprehend it, I had two parents that taught me what was right. And that any kind of judgment or prejudice or uh, hatred of anybody who's different than you is so fucked up. Mm -hmm. And so I was raised in an atmosphere where that, the idea of that was just anathema, you know, it was like, and so when you do have the opportunity to voice that, even though it's not my cause, it's not my thing, you know, but I appreciate that. I, 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 you, it moved me that you quoted that because, you know, I've, I've just, I've had friends, gay or bisexual friends, black friends, who I've witnessed them hurt, like be hurt, especially by their family. Not, I mean, obviously not in the, in the black community, but I've been friends with gay men whose fathers never talk to them again. Mm-hmm. Or, and I've seen that pain, and it just kills me, you know? So if, if your own family is doing that, you imagine what perfect strangers are doing. I mean, and, and we're still, and it's, people say it's come such a long way. I don't know, I mean, do you think it's come? I mean, yes, there's more equality, there's gay marriage, there's, you know, the law, the, the government has sort of, there's still so much fucking ignorance out there. <laughs> there is. Oh, absolutely. Abs- I deal with it's, it every oh, single I'm sure day. You do. I deal with it every single so day I, in my I, writing. Yeah, I can't imagine. But I do want to thank you for that and thank you for the support. And I'm going to get on Pride here. We're going to get you to Pride so you can deliver that one. Line. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, thank I'm you so to do much. That. God, you're a good interview. No, thanks, buddy. Thank you you're so right. much. I have to say, I find Richard Marks to be a terrific interview. The day I spoke with him, it was at the end of a long string of TV, print, and radio interviews. I might have been the 10th. I heard a couple of interviews before me, and while there may have been similar questions, every time he answered, it was always from a fresh, interesting perspective. He's uber charming and super, super smart. I want to remind you that you can catch him at Flamingo Las Vegas now through September 2nd here in Las Vegas, Nevada. And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoyed the podcast, make sure you click the subscribe button on my page on iTunes. And then every time I upload a new episode, it'll be sent straight to you automatically. And tell your friends if you like it. Plus, remember you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com, where I report on the daily news cycle regarding politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. I'm going to close with a little bit of Richard Marx's huge hit, Now and Forever, performed live on the Las Vegas Strip. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next time. You make sense of madness When my sanity hangs by a thread I lose my way but still you seem to understand Now and forever I'm